You're listening to episode number 12 with Kristen Andrus. Get your hands dirty and your heart a little broken. You're listening to the Mindful Mantra Podcast, where we discover mantras that lead to lifelong success. If you're looking to take control of your thoughts to empower positive change, this podcast is for you. Come along with me as we learn and apply the mantras that have shaped successful entrepreneurs, inspiring leaders, and everyday people into something great. Kristen Andrus has a far bigger influence than her six kids at home. She turned her food Instagram into a lifestyle page a few years ago and now inspires thousands to serve in their homes and get involved in their community. Along with this, Kristen offers incredible free YouTube workouts and cooking segments on TV. Kristen is the life of the party, full of energy, and full of wisdom. In this episode, we talk about radiating goodness, creating relationships, finding ways to serve, and being an all-around fun person. Let's go. All right, here we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Mindful Mantra podcast. We all know Kristen Andres. I'm here with Kristen today. If you haven't seen her on Instagram, then you've probably seen her doing a cooking TV segment, or you've probably done one of her free YouTube workouts, or you probably know Trigger Grills, which we all know and love, and her family is the brand name behind it. So Kristen, what I love about your Instagram page the most is that every time I see a post, it's always inspiring to me. And that's not necessarily the reason I get on Instagram a lot. Like it's to keep in touch with friends and to get inspiration, maybe for food or workouts or whatever, but yours are always, they, they always hit home and every post is golden, which is, it's just so good. So, um, I haven't seen that from any other account on Instagram. So I just wanted to say, thank you. I love it. It's, it's the best. So you, I wanted to take a little bit of a different route. You obviously radiate goodness, kindness, humor, positivity. Like that's what your whole Instagram is about. And I've never heard anything negative come out of it. And I wanted to take it back a little bit and learn from learn or hear about what your childhood and your growing up life was like and how that set you up to be who you are now. Um, and if it did play a part in your positive influence, or if it's kind of a choice that you have to make now, that's a great question. Um, so I grew up in Walnut Creek, California, which is kind of East Bay of San Francisco. Um, I had a really great upbringing. We were really lucky and blessed. Um, I had a mom and dad. I was the oldest of, um, four siblings. I have two younger sisters and a younger brother. Um, I was always actively involved in a lot of things. I actually was a synchronized swimmer. So from the age of, I think I started around seven, uh, that became kind of my life besides school. And I would say kind of kept me out of trouble for a while because I was all in, I was at school or I was swimming and it was just my life. I traveled with synchronized swimming. Um, I, in high school spent summers, um, away from home living like with another family swimming. Um, so that really, you know, was a big part of, uh, of my life at the time. I remember one thing that I look back now that I have kids that are in, you know, all different types of activities and sports Mm -hmm. is my parents were always really supportive, but they were never the ones that were always there, always, um, like checking on to see how I'm doing, checking what place I got. 
they were supportive in that, like, oh, we want you to do well, but never that I felt pushed by them at all. And I take that route a little bit with my kids um, in their activities and things that they care about is once they're not all in and they're not pushing themselves, we're not going to keep doing that. But I would say swimming was a really big part. And as I think back to how my parents were supportive and the way that they were supportive um, and didn't push me, you know, I, I pushed myself. And so that probably was a little bit of where that came from. Um, and I think I always have had like a pretty happy disposition. I definitely had, you know, the hormones and all the stuff that middle schoolers go through and high schoolers go through. Um, but I think it was really, I didn't know that it was, um, something that I had control over at, at an early age and in, even in college, right. It was more into motherhood and marriage that I realized that I have control over how I react. I have control over how I feel. I have control over how I talk to people and, you know, my thoughts and all that kind of stuff that really, I think has helped me and guided me in the direction that I've been in now, but I definitely will say DNA how I was born, I think definitely plays a part into that. And I would say I'm a relatively happy person as are my parents. Um, if you ever talk to them or see them, you'll be like, Oh, I totally know where you came from. <laughs> that makes sense. That's super fun. Okay. That was great context to lead into your mantras. What is your life mantra or the multiple mantras that you choose to live by and why? You know, and I was thinking about this today, knowing I was coming on here and, um, there was a, something that I've kind of come up with and I use it quite a bit now, but because I've really found a passion in serving and volunteering and philanthropy and, and all of that stuff, mentoring, um, my, my mantra lately, and this is, this could be with kids. This could be with, you know, marriage. It really could be related to, to so much with friendship even is I like to get my hands dirty and my heart a little broken. And it sounds like a really backwards mantra, but what that means to me is I'm not sitting on the sidelines. Like I'm getting my hands dirty, whether that's in friendships, like I'm digging in and being a good friend. I'm showing up when it's hard. I'm sitting with a friend who needs it. I'm getting my hands dirty. I'm not just kind of, and that could be the same with charity or with, with marriage that I'm not a bystander watching this marriage, hoping that it's going well. Like I get my hands dirty. I do things I don't want to do. I, I forgive things. I don't want to forgive. Like I definitely am all in, in all aspects of my life. And, and that hands dirty to me in the terms of volunteering and charity is I'm in there. I'm showing up. I'm, I'm being at the event. I'm not just like writing a check and saying, oh, I hope things go well with, with your charity or whatever you do. And then hard, a little broken to me means like, I want to be all in. Like I want my heart to be so invested. Maybe that's in friendship. Maybe that's in marriage. Maybe that's whenever that like, I'm not withholding that love, that passion, whatever that may be that my heart is going to get broken sometimes. And I say a little broken, right? Not totally broken, but like that I do things deeply enough that I can feel that pain. I can feel that hurt. I can feel that love. I can feel like the opposite, right? Um, that whenever your heart is so out of your body with someone else, friends, marriage, kids, for sure, that your heart's going to get a little bit broken. And if you withhold that and you don't have that zest for life, that passion, that heart outside of yourself, 
your heart will never get broken. And that's not a great way to live either. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. So, um, the mentality I'm seeing from this, it's definitely very mature Christ-like, like push yourself out of your comfort zone and don't be afraid to do the hard thing to get something better out of it. Um, have you always been this way or when would you say that it clicked for you? You know, I'd say I had a really, you know, talking about going back to childhood, I had a really easy childhood. We didn't go through anything hard. Um, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to grow and to do things like that. And so I think what I've found is in so far, knock on wood, um, you know, our family's healthy and safe and things are going okay. And so I think I look for opportunities and create opportunities so that I can be outside of myself and helping other people and learning from them. Um, I, I don't know. And sometimes, you know, like we have to be humble because we're humbled or, you know, things like that. Or sometimes we are humble because we are actively trying to be that way. And so that's what I feel like I'm trying, especially for my kids, my kids are growing up in the same situation that I did where life was pretty easy. It was very comfortable. Um, of course there's little things that come and with my kids are maybe big things. I, I don't know that yet. Um, but I want to create opportunities and times in their life and experiences that are totally uncomfortable. You know, I always say when we're out serving or oh gosh, whatever it may be doing, if my kids are uncomfortable, if it's too hot or too cold or they're hungry or something like that, I'm like, yes, I want you guys to be uncomfortable. I want you to be hungry. You are last in line. Like you don't know what these kids are going through or it's cold out. It is cold out. And guess what? these kids are cold all the time and you get to go back to your nice warm home. And so creating opportunities, which is kind of what some of us do in suburbia and in, in these, you know, lifestyles where things are, are pretty good and comfortable and cushy, cushy doesn't create character. It doesn't create grit. It doesn't create everything that I want my kids to get. And so I kind of have to make that up and that's been a big part of it. So I think I saw like, wow, things were pretty easy for me thank goodness, my personality, I ended up okay. But what if I have some spoiled brat kids and they are not okay like that to, and, and then what we have is to their demise. Like that freaks me out on a daily basis. And so that's really pushed me, I would say in this, um, in this direction. Mm, that's interesting. So along those lines, how do you find ways to fill your life and your kids' lives with so much goodness? Like you're always finding and serving in these opportunities and not just all of the philanthropy work that you do and volunteering. There's other things as well. Um, cause I feel like, especially this past year, it's been harder to find ways to fill time, even really busy people. Things have really slowed down and keeping your life going, um, with good things in it can get kind of mundane or hard to find. So give us ideas. Yeah, that that's a great. So my, I have an like overriding theme of this. And, and I've been talking about this lately a lot because I'm reading this book called give and take and there's givers in life. There's takers in life and there's matchers where you're always like, if I give, then I want to get back. And if I do this for you, then you owe me this. Mm -hmm. And if you have this giver mentality in any way, let's say you play the guitar and you're like, I'm going to come and play for your event. And I'm, and I'm going to come and play for this church thing. And I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, that's your thing that you do well, 
if you have a giver mentality, you will open up this world that you never, ever would have known if you had a taker mentality or a matcher mentality. So you love to speak, you love podcasts, you love, you know, I could name a hundred different things. Um, but the more that you open up that world and you give of your time, of your talents, of your energy, of your resources, and I'm not even talking about a dollar, you know, I'm not talking about money at all when I'm talking about giving, but just giving of yourself through any, any type, maybe it could be something at the library. It could be like anything that is opening up a door. The more doors you open, there is a whole world behind each door that you open that you don't even know about when you open the doors. When you say yes to a concert in the park that you're not even getting paid for, that opens this big world, these doors that you never would have known had you said no to those things. Um, now, like you said, a lot of times life is busy and crazy. We can't say yes to everything, but if you're in that, um, time of your life or in a season where you really do want to kind of open more doors in your life, having that giver mentality and not worrying about what you get back. If you're worried about what you're giving, what you're going to get back for doing something, it'll absolutely not open the door, open up the floodgates. Like it would, if you just said, I'm going to go do this. And, and, and networking, right? Like the more you do, the more network you have. Um, in Jeremy and I's life, we are involved in so many things because we started in getting involved in something little and then something bigger and then something bigger. And then more people hear about you, more doors open. And pretty much once you know, you're, you're out there and more people know about you and know about what you do or what you're good at, where your talents are, it's amazing the world that can open up to you. Mm, that was so good. And I love the trickle effect that you talked about and how it all started with a mindset shift that just from shifting from being a taker or a matcher to being a giver, you're automatically looking for different opportunities than you would have. If you were a matcher, you wouldn't have been, you, you just would have right. missed the opportunities, which is so good. Right. And you're never, you're never too good. It's never too small. I think maybe people think, well, I'm not going to do that because it's just so small. Like for instance, right now I'm helping this woman who has a little tiny shop. She's from Africa and I'm trying to get like a couple mannequins. A cu like, it's just this little tiny, this one woman that I'm trying to help. And I'm not doing it for any other reason, but to help her. But I know because I've done this so many times that something, you know, there'll be more opportunities for me to give and help. And then I'll go and meet her and ask about her life. And then her world then opens up to me and becomes part of my world. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it is with friendships, with people in business, um, in jobs, careers. I, you could definitely apply this to the job. Even if you are working at Jimmy John's, the more people you talk to and you open up to, and you have that giving mentality of giving of yourself, you're at the cash register and just chatting with people, you will open up worlds that you never knew existed. Mm, that's so good. I, I was just going to ask a question about relationships because I feel like you are, you're so interconnected and you have this network because you always are. Now it makes sense because you're giving and you're looking for more opportunities in their world that you're giving to. So you just taught us the giver taker mentality. Do you have any more um, tips on how you harvest relationships and how you maintain all of your relationships? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I, I think people, especially women, um, I don't know if that's true, especially women, but, um, I think sometimes have a hard time with that. And I, 
feel like I'm a really good friend. Um, I, I'm really good at holding onto relationships, you know, good, healthy relationships. Um, and really like I'm a sticky friend, right? Like, so what that means is I'm actively involved in friendships. I'm not a passive and so many of these things, right. We talked about like a, a little bit ago, but I'm actively involved in making friends in inviting people. I'm never moving into a neighborhood and waiting for other people to invite me. I'm never going to a new group of friends and just waiting for the invite to go to lunch. I am actively participating in my friendships. Hey, so nice meeting you. Would you want to go for a walk next Wednesday? Um, you know, so I'm constantly, you have to reach out. You have to be, get out of yourself, get out of your own head. People want to be invited. They want to be in your circle. And I always say, make your circle a horseshoe because there's always room for more. You know, I moved to a new neighborhood or I have a new, um, you know, group I'm a part of or whatever it may be. And for me, it's like, oh, this is so exciting because I get to make new friends and never would I sit back and wait for people to be friends with me. I would be actively out seeking friendships, nurturing friendships, spending time on friendships. And that could be not even friendships, but networking, meeting people. Um, you know, I was just asked to be a part of this group um, where we're helping mentor women in education. And part of the reason I said yes is because I want to get to know the women that that are on this, on this board and what they're doing. And I want to learn about them and I want to network and make friends. And I may not end up with a great friend there, but I'll definitely end up learning a lot, hearing what people are doing. It will open up a lot of doors and a new world to me, which I'm always welcoming because it's learning, you know, I'm, I'm learning. Mm, that's good. Those were awesome ways to make new friends. Once you harvest all those relationships, how do you keep them? Yeah. You, and once again, it's like, you have to keep active in that. I have friends who are good friends and they're super passive friends. They don't reach out. They don't. And sometimes I think you need to let them go. If, if a friendship has run its course, that is absolutely okay. Let that go. You don't have to spend time with them all the time. If they're not reciprocating friendship or you don't feel like you're getting that from them, you can't hold on to every friend you've ever made. Um, but the ones that you care about and the ones that you want to, and the ones that give back to you, um, you, it's just time. It's, it's sending a note. It's, um, you know, scheduling lunches and for busy people like us, it's scheduling it, right? Hey, like I have a, a great friend who's actually having us over tonight. I think we booked this dinner like two months ago. And so we got on the calendar, but she's busy. I'm busy, but I love her and she loves me. And so it's scheduling it in, making it a priority. You have to make it a priority, right? You're always sacrificing something. And so a friendship is important to you or networking is, and you want to keep those going. You have to spend time with them. Not all the time, but enough that you stay connected. Mm, I love that. That was really good. Okay. So kind of not really switching gears, but everything that you've talked about so good. I'm, and I'm wondering if you have affirmations that you tell yourself throughout the day to maybe remember these things or stay in a positive mindset, because I feel like you are always there. Do you have anything you have your life mantra, get your hands a little dirty and your heart a little broken besides that? Are you telling yourself things in your brain or are you just kind of going? Yeah, lately, um, there's two things that they're there. They couldn't be more different, but I'll tell you both of them. And um, the first one's a little bit sillier, but it helps me because 
I feel like there's always reasons to just like eat crap. And I, I love to be healthy. I love working out. I love keeping my body healthy. And I just feel like I've kind of been letting things go, whether it be, you know, vacation and just COVID, you know, all of us are just like, oh, totally. <laughs> and so I'm always asking myself as I'm like eating a stale, gross cookie that my kid was just eating or crust. And I'm like, is this worth it? So it's kind of a silly one, but I'm always saying as I'm taking a bite of something that I don't even really want, I'm not even really hungry, but I'm always asking myself, is this worth it? And honestly, 85% of the time, the answer is no, it's not worth it. So that's just kind of a funny, silly one, but we're all eating, we're all eating all the time and we're trying to be our healthiest selves. And so that's when that helps me a ton. Um, Number two, way more importantly, that I've been working on a lot And I don't know if it's a, if it's necessarily a mantra, but I quiet myself. Um, this morning, my house was crazy and everyone was running around and they were fighting and wrestling and it was, and I wanted to scream and be frustrated. And then they got in the car and there were two kids that weren't in the car. And I sat there literally like, you can't see me, but I'm putting my hands up above my head. I wanted to scream and yell and I stayed quiet. I did not say one word because I knew the minute, and this could be with a spouse, with a friend, with a boss, you know, it doesn't have to be with kids, but kids will definitely set you off where once I open my mouth, I cannot control what I'm about to say and the tone of my voice and, you know, the impatience that will come. And so I find if I just stay quiet, there can be madness around me. There can be fighting and yelling and screaming. And if I can just remain calm. And for me personally, that is quieting my brain, quieting my thoughts, which are my thoughts are what are, are leading me to want to be so mad at everyone around me and so frustrated with them. And so if I can quiet those thoughts and, you know, as we always say, circumstances are neutral. My thoughts are what's going to dictate the next 10 minutes of this morning. And if I can be quiet, it passes. It's incredible. But my, my, my brain will relax. It'll stop because it knows I'm not going to say a word. And so my thoughts actually kind of stop that spiral, right? It could be a spiral of anxiety. It could be a spiral of, um, about school or whatever, you know, a job or the future, but if you can just quiet it and get your brain to quiet down. And so my mantra has just kind of been to stop and be quiet. And I think I just tell myself, like, I'm just not, I'm not going to go there because I know if I do, I will be sorry. And I'll be apologizing to my kids, even though they're the ones that started it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Totally. It's so good. I remember, I think it's my favorite post that you ever did was your reel about being the chief um, culture officer at your house and how the mom or whoever it is sets the tone for everyone. And if you would have said something opened up screamed then how it would have changed everything and made it worse. But when you choose to be quiet, let things just blow over. Um, it's just way more peaceful. And I was thinking about that when I read that I'm, I'm definitely not a mom right now, but I have a mom. She was, she's incredible. And I have a husband and just with my friends, I was thinking about how I can apply this in any area of my life that really, no matter who you're around, you're always the chief culture officer because we've had a couple of family gatherings the last few weekends for holidays and stuff. And if one person isn't having it, everyone's just kind of blah to be there. But if one person is super fun, excited, happy, um, being funny, then everyone just kind of chimes in. 
And so so true. And it's, it's true in marriage. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have kids to be the chief culture officer. I mean, we talked about, we just spoke down at BYU a couple nights ago and people asked us a hundred different questions. And, and I said, I remember when Jeremy used to come home, it was probably not fun for him to come home because I was mad at him. He was late. He was traveling. Like I was, it was always this tit for tat that like, I'm mad at you because you're always gone. And I'm upset because you're late. And that I was the chief culture officer, even back in the day when it was just the two of us. And I was so, my expectations were always missed. And now I joked and yelled to the class. I'm like, I am a fun wife. And like, Jeremy loves to come home. Now, not all the time, but I try to make it that way that like home is a good place to be. I'm like a fun flirty, great wife that you're excited to come home and see. And we can't always be that. So I don't want to set false expectations, but that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you are definitely, you know, a chief culture officer, even if you were living alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. With everyone, I just think of the people that the person that checks you out the grocery store, like, However, if you spark a conversation, they'll be happy back and they'll talk to you. Whereas if you're quiet or in a bad mood, they'll just kind of quiet down, you know? So I think it's so applicable to every area of our life. And it goes back to that give or taker mentality that if you think in any circumstance you're to give to that person, then that's just, what's going to naturally happen. You're going to be happy and fun to be around, which is really good. Absolutely. Totally agree. I know it is funny how they all actually kind of work together in in Mm -hmm. everything that we've talked about. It's true. Yeah. They're all, they're all the same principles, just different ways of looking at them. Mm -hmm. So kind of going along with that, what are your tips for being fun, for being the chief culture officer, um, for creating fun, for having fun. Whenever you go somewhere, I feel like it's party. And what do you do to always keep it that way? What are some tips? Um, you know, that's a great question. Um, and it kind of, I did a, I did a reel about this, but if it, if it's like family wise, it's not sweating the small stuff, you know, if it's small stuff, um, and that could be you're out with friends and the restaurant's running late or they're screwing up all your food. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like if it doesn't matter in a week from now, it doesn't matter now. And so I think sometimes people get, it's almost like who they are. They kind of get a little, um, picky or nitpicky about like little stuff and kind of dwelling on the negative stuff or the stuff that isn't quite going right. I know a lot of girls that are like that. And it's like, no, like let's, let's, um, have fun. Let's dwell on the positive. Let's keep it upbeat. And, um, I think my intention is to go and have a good time. And so if your intention is like, I'm going to go and this is going to be awesome and it's going to be amazing and so much fun, then that's what it's going to be. And if you're kind of like looking at it, like, I don't really want to go, or this isn't for me, or this is, you know, kind of a little bit negative, then that's how it's going to be. And so, um, you know, that could be, I always talk about, you know, when you're entertaining at your house, where if people walk into your home, like I always think my parties are the best. And I think one of the reasons are because when they come in, I am ready to party. I am ready to have a good time. I'm not worrying about the candles and the napkins and this food isn't right. And this didn't, and then, you know, then people are stressed and then they're following your lead and there's not that great just air of like fun and lightness and letting people relax. So you really do dictate that. And like you said, if you even have one friend at something who's like, we are ready to party. This is going to be so fun. They are going to take that lead. And it's the same. Like you said, when you have that downer, 
it's going to kind of take that lead. So if you can kind of rally troops and once again, not to set false expectations that you always have to be, you know, the leader of, of the party. Um, but I think, yeah, intention and then like following through that, faking it, you know, sometimes where was it? I was about to do something. And I was like, I had gotten my vaccine. I wasn't feeling great. Oh, it was studio five today. I was on, I was doing a cooking segment on studio five and like driving there. I was like, I'm tired. I don't feel great. And actually like a a dog or a raccoon had eaten all the food that I had prepared for studio five. I was, I was just like, of course this happened. Like I am just, ah, but immediately I walked in, I saw my friend. I was like, Hey, and all of a sudden I decided that like, I was going to forget all that. And I was going to be happy and have a great time. And then I got in the car and I was like, I totally forgot that I wasn't feeling well over the last two hours because my mind decided that I was going to forget the crap and I was going to move on and be happy. And as soon as I made that choice, and it was very like pointed from literally when I walked in and saw my friend and I was like, okay, switch, like I'm done. I'm done, you know, bemoaning my morning and I'm moving on. So you really have to you could say fake it or just switch like, Hey, I'm done with that. I can moan and groan and be sad or cry for an hour or two. And then I'm going to move on and I'm going to make the choice to be happy. Mm, That's good. Uh, Sweating the small stuff. It really is. I feel like that's everything that, um, when people get annoyed or just mad, it's always the little things. It's never these big things. And if we could remember, if I could remember to just forgive, let go, forget all of the little things, then life is so much more pleasant, enjoyable, fun. Okay. I think I have one last question for you. This has all been so good and so much good information to live an inspired and happy life, which is the best. So you're a food connoisseur. You love cooking. You're always hosting people. What's your go-to meal if it's just you and you have time to make something. It's not just like a throw. Yeah. What would you make? Like just for you, if you want something good, what are you making? Well, I love cottage cheese and cheddar sour cream baked ruffles. That is what I eat all the time. Mm. But if I'm going to make something, I would probably make like a fajita salad. So I do like a big thing of greens and I cook a steak on the Traeger with like onions and peppers and then do a bunch of like grilled corn, grilled steak, onions, peppers, avocado, salsa, and do like a big, like fajita salad. That sounds so good. <laughs> mm, love it. Yeah. No, I'm going to go buy some ruffles right now too. <laughs> I dip everything I have in cottage cheese. Oh, I love it. Too. I love cottage cheese. It is like my number one go-to hands down, not even close. It's the best. Okay. And then what's your favorite indulgent treat? Oh, probably a warm chocolate chip cookie. And I'm like picky about like, you know, people, some people just make the best chocolate chip cookies, like a homemade warm chocolate chip cookie. To me, there's nothing better in life. Totally. And I just tried the, um, Cadbury chip for the first time last week. And that was good. Okay, <laughs> We're big a, chip fans, but I hadn't had a your quarter of it. We'll do oh, it yeah. again. It's oh yep. Just a quarter. <laughs> so good. So happy, but so delicious. Oh, I'm so glad. That's a good one. Yeah, no, it yeah, we loved it. So okay. That was everything that I wanted and more. That was 
everything. It was so good. Get my hands dirty and my heart a little broken. I, I just love that mantra for life to just push us out of our comfort zone and invest in as many people as we can just give. So you're incredible. Thanks so much, Kristen, for your time today. Thanks for coming on and giving to me and all the listeners. Um, and yeah, hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was great. Yeah. Okay. See you guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review and share with your friends so we can bring more mindful mantras to this world. Thanks a million and I'll see you next time.